thank you, God, for your presence that we feel here today. And thank you for these people that have assembled in this appointed place to celebrate the presence of God, the Lordship of Jesus. I pray now, O Lord, for a special unction from the Holy One. I pray for a release and a liberty here today, O God, that we may have the things of the Word of God and that we may possess them and take them to our heart and mind and that they will become food to our heart and soul. In Christ's name, amen. Amen, amen. Surely the presence, saying, of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can hear the brush of angel wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Sing with me. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angel wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now. We are standing in His presence on holy ground. Turn with me to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Many of you know that psalm and are so familiar with it and know the words before I ever announce them. Psalm 91 is a praise psalm. It is an answer to Psalm 89. 89 says, can the Lord be trusted? Can the Lord be trusted? Psalm 91 tells us, yes, He can. Yes, He can. We like to attribute most of these psalms to either David or to Asaph, but Moses is probably the one who wrote this psalm probably wrote it at a very difficult time in uh, his life and his leadership. It was probably a challenging time, much like the crossing of the, of the Red Sea, uh, much like the threat of Pharaoh, when uh, he really had to depend upon God and know that God's presence was with him. God's presence was with him. And he had to know that before he would ever make a move. And I admire that. If you're going to do something phenomenal for God, significant for God, you need to make sure God's presence is with you. 
that you've got the blessing of heaven upon you. Blessings are wonderful things, aren't they? Did you know that cursings, uh, the Bible said, last for the third and into the fourth generation? But blessings last for a thousand generations. Boy, that means blessings are far better than cursings, aren't they? Amen. We've been living with this curse called sin and the human condition for a lot of years. A lot of years. But the blessing of God is such that we are living under that cloud and living under that curse because He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Praise God. What a great verse that is. Let's us know that no curse can bind us, that no evil thing can, can come near our dwelling, that that no pestilence and, and no plague can uh, come against the people of God if God be with us and God's presence go before us. You see, very early on, the people of Israel learned that there were uh, visible symbols of God's presence, the first being the pillar of fire by night and the uh, pillar of a cloud by day. In other words, the cloud was a cool shade to shield them from the hot rays of the sun. And then the sun was to give them warmth, and the pillar of fire was to give them warmth and to give them protection as they wandered in the wilderness. So those promises of God, I hope you're putting these messages together. The first one we preached was about savoring, savoring the things that are of God. Jesus said to Peter, Thou savorest not the things that be of God that we know about the things of God. We embrace the things of God, the savor. And uh, that's what makes uh, salty Christians salty. If the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? You remember that message. The next message was about pursuing the promise. Amen. Pursuing the promise. And boy, we shouted at that one, didn't we? Found out there are exceeding and great promises that are accrued to all of the redeemed. And the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, but His long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. The promise of the Lord standeth sure, the Bible said. And that promise is unto you, and it's unto your children, and to your children's children, to them that are afar off, as many as the Lord thy God shall call. What a promise we have in the Lord Jesus coming to our heart and life, because God promised that he would send a deliverer, and he actually gave what he promised and said that he would do. So the people of Israel were uh, accustomed then to the pillar of fire and the cloud of smoke leading them. They were also very uh, familiar with leaving memorials. In fact, when Miriam had gotten to the other side and had danced and celebrated before the Lord, uh, the Bible said, let's put up a monument and let's put a, a, a memorial so that we can say, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto hath God brought us. I think every building of God ought to be a memorial that said, hereto hath the Lord helped us. I believe everything that we do ought to have a, a signature somewhere that says, this is not of us, this is of God. 
This is something God did. Amen. This is a God promise. This is a God miracle. This is a God healing. This is a, a, a God provision. Uh, and because as long as you give him the glory, as long as he gets the glory, God is favorable to our intentions if we give him the glory and if it's our plan to give him the credit for what is done. Amen. In fact, the Bible just tells us, do all in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. In everything, look up and acknowledge God and say, God, I know you're the one that provided this. I know you're the one that did this for me. And you're the one that worked this out for me, God. And I just want to take advantage of this moment and say, thank you, God. I love you and appreciate you for what you do in my life. You see, the Bible tells us to come into his presence with thanksgiving. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. Now, that has the nuance of our coming to where the presence is, our coming to the place where, where the presence of God is celebrated. Hey, I expected fully to feel his presence when I got here today. I anticipated pulling in the parking lot. This is going to be a good day. This is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. I'm going to sing some spiritual songs that will help me make melody in my heart unto the Lord. I'm going to hear the word of the Lord preached today that's going to make me stronger in my faith. I'm going to celebrate with my brothers and sisters and get stronger in the unity that is in the body of Christ. I'm happy to be at God's house. This is a good day. Thank you, God, for a good day in your house. And we've assembled today to celebrate His presence. Amen. Hey, I, I believe that His presence is worth celebrating, don't you? He is a God of presence, and He's a God who supplies every need that we, we have. He's present even in a jailhouse. He was present when two of his believers that we call apostles, he was present with them when at midnight they sang praises unto God. Praise and presence kind of goes together, you know. If you really want to have the presence, start praising. If you want to see the miraculous, start praising. If you really want to see the hand of God move, then start praising him for how his hand has moved before. If you praise him for what he's done before, then you'll find out his presence usually shows up when you face another battle or when you face another dilemma or you go through another hardship, that same God that was with you through the valley, he'll be with you on the mountaintop. He'll go with you through every trial and every temptation, every hardship, every difficulty that presents itself because presence and power and personal purity all form a a formula there that equals presence of God. Because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praise. That means he finds a dwelling place there. If you ever really need God to do something, just start saying, Jesus. Jesus. There's something about that name, Jesus. 
I said, there's something about that name, Jesus. You may say Jerry and it don't do much to you. You may say Willie and it don't stir you that much. You can say Missy and that won't probably crank your tractor either. But when you say Jesus, things begin to happen when you say Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I will always be with you, so my presence will not ever depart from you. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, my presence will go before you and it will come behind you. It's in you. It's over you. It's under you. It's beside you. It's in your past. It's in your present. It's in your future. The presence of God is always with us and never, ever disappoints or leaves us. Praises go up. The glory comes down. The presence of the Lord is celebrated when God's people praise and, and worship Him, even in the most difficult of circumstances. You know, sure, the devil is a worthy opponent. I hate him. I kick him. I bite him. I slug him. I do everything I can to fight him. Every ounce of strength I've got, I fight him. Amen. But sometimes we weave ourselves a pretty bad web. Sometimes the presence is with us, but we sometimes don't listen to the presence. Sometimes we go ahead with our own plan and our own way. And when we're left to our own way, brothers and sisters, apart from the Lord Jesus and apart from this presence, we can do nothing. There's no use in trying to operate without Jesus. There's no need in trying to go forward or make a move without the presence. And that was kind of the attitude that Moses had who, who wrote this. He said, I'm not going if your presence don't go with me. God said, I've got something for you to do, and it's very important. It's all about the history of my relationship with my people and generations and generations and millions and millions depend on it. I need you to go do this. He said, well, I'm not going unless your presence goes. Wow. That's how important it is that the presence of the Lord is with us. Well, Psalm 89 said, can God be trusted? Psalm 91 says, he that dwelleth. Not he that visiteth. Not he that rents. But he that dwelleth. He that dwelleth. You see, in Psalm 15, the Bible said, Who shall ascend into thy holy hill? Who shall ascend up into thy presence? Who shall ascend up unto the Most High? And the Bible said, He that hath clean hands 
And he that backbiteth not, he that speaketh truth with his neighbor. Boy, some good things right there about people that ascend into the presence. In Psalm 25, the Bible said, Who shall abide in thy holy hill? Oh, and then it gives the list of people that are qualified to do that. I found out there's a difference in abiding and ascending. Lots of people love to ascend. They do it one day a week, no matter what. Some people do it two days a year. They love to just drop in for those momentary encounters with God. Well, I need a little dab of church, so I believe I'll show up Sunday. Those who ascend are those folks that have those temporary moments when they ascend up, but they always come back down. Oh, there'll be a big revival. And buddy, everybody will ascend. And say, ain't it great? Praise God. The power of God is in this place. Boy, I got something that I've never had before. Praise God. He touched me. He healed me. He... But then when the revival closes, just slide back down the mountain. Come on, somebody. There's a difference in ascending and abiding. There are those that just stay all the time. I said, there are those that just stay all the time. They just choose to abide there. They just dwell there. They love the presence so much that they're constantly in the presence. They're always in the presence. You'll hear them mumbling to themselves sometimes, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God, I love you, Lord. You'll hear them, you'll pass by them in a hallway, and you'll say, well, hear them say, bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Uh, forget not all of his benefits. It, nev it, it never leaves them. They just stay that way all the time. Amen. <laughs> we were playing golf with a guy one day, and me and a preacher was preaching. I said, me and a Baptist preacher was preaching. And we were getting happy in the Lord and kind of shouting a little bit along. And another preacher was with us, an ascender. He said, don't you guys get enough of that stuff on Sunday morning? Don't you guys get enough of that one day a week? Do you have to come out here and bring that? I come out here to forget all that stuff. Good night. Yes, I opened my big mouth and told him what I thought about that. Who shall abide? Who is willing to walk the walk and talk the talk? Who is willing to all the time have your antenna up trying to catch a heavenly wave? Who would say, I want to be all the time, every time, every place, everybody. I want God's presence with me all the time. Oh, 
all the time. Touch your neighbor and say, all the time. All the time. When my mother was plugged to a machine back there in intensive care in Ball Wiley Hospital in Decatur, Alabama, me and my sister was walking down the hallway, and I, I had a spring up, as I call them. And I said, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you today. Praise the Lord. My sister Brenda ran in a room of somebody she didn't even know. Charles, she was saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Praise the Lord. The Bible said, praise is comely for the righteous. Comely means good manners. Praise is good manners for the righteous. It's right for us to praise Him. It's right for us to dwell in the, in the holy place. It's, it's right for us to desire fellowship with Him. It's right for us to say, I'd rather be with the Lord as anybody I know. Rather be with the Lord. Rather be talking to the Lord. Rather be listening to the Lord. Amen. Somebody said one the other day, Brother Jerry, how do you know so many songs? I sing them. I sing them. I can reel off about ten right now, just boom, boom, boom. Jesus keeps me happy for he knows how. There's going to be a meeting in the air. I'll fly away, old glory. Hey, praise God. That's not difficult. Amen. Somebody will stop me in a parking lot somewhere and say, Would you pray for me? Oh, God. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to touch this person. All the time, every time, everywhere, everybody. Just abide there. Who shall abide in thy presence? He said, he that dwelleth in the secret place. It, the original reads, the shelter place. He that dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Do you know God's got a shelter? Did you know God's got a storm shelter? You see them out on Sand Mountain a whole lot. They go out and they dig a hole in the ground and lay blocks around it. And it's where they go when there's tornado warnings. Did you know God's got a storm shelter? And He tells His people. He says, when the storm is coming your way and you get warned that danger is near, just go to the shelter. Just go to the shelter. Oh, the Bible said the name of the Lord is a high tower and the righteous run into it and they are saved. I said they are saved. Sure, there's going to be storms. Sure, there's going to be difficult in times of danger in the tempest. But God's got a storm shelter. Just run into the name of the Lord. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man shall enter in by me, he shall be saved. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He that dwelleth in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, there's blessing in the shadow. And you know what? A shadow is a dark place. You ever been in a dark place? I said, have you ever been in a dark place? A shadow is a dark place. Under the shadow. You know who casts a shadow? We have a heavenly father. The Bible said he dwells in a light that no man can approach unto. Paul said in the Hebrews, he dwells in a holy place that we can't ascend into that high and lofty place. We can't see his face. We can't see him personally because no man hath ever seen God and lived. He told Moses, Moses said, well, I want to see you. You're such a good friend and I, I want to see you. He said, you can't see me. But said, come over here. There's a cleft in this rock over here. There's a cleft in this rock. And I'm going to pass by. And I'm going to let you catch a glimpse of me as I go by. Praise God. He that dwells lives under the shadow. The shadow. That dark place, that time that came unexpected, that caught you when you wasn't looking for that one. Happened when you wasn't anticipating it. It crept up on you, and sudden surprise changed everything. And suddenly you found yourself in a dark place, in a shadow. But there's something that light does to shadows. And Jesus said, I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. John said, I'm not that light. I just came to bear witness of that light. And he said, the one that's coming after me, he's greater than I am. He must increase, but I must decrease. But said, when he comes, the whole earth is going to be blessed by his coming because he is going to be that light that lights every man that comes into the world. Light dispels the shadows. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. Is that that same psalm that says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies? You mean God has a presence that outranks the presence of your enemies? Oh, you be careful who you let sit at your table. Don't you mess around and get somebody that'll hurt you sit down at your table. 
Because then you'll have to say, oh, presence of God, overrule this other presence. The presence of my enemies are second to the presence of my God. Come on, Olivia. Lord of mercy, let's land this plane. Somebody said we're fogged in, but we're not fogged in. I'll get it down, I promise. Do you know your praise, your celebration of the presence is so important? Can I, can I read you a story? I'll come back to that. We got to verse 1. We'll do the rest of it next week and the next and the next and the next, I guess. I want to read to you a story. It's in the Word of God. It's about David. You see, the visible symbol of God's presence was a, a chest. During the tent of meeting and the tabernacle in the wilderness, God said, so you'll be reminded that I'm with you. Said, we're going to have you build what is called an Ark of the Covenant. And said, put the broken law of God in it. And in Hebrews, we found out from Paul, suppose the author, that there was a pot of manna and there was Aaron's rod that budded also in it. And that Ark was to symbolize the visible symbol of the presence of God. And these Israelites felt like we do as God's presence is always with you, you're going to win the battle. So they developed the custom of carrying that chest around with them to frighten the enemy. Our God is with us and you don't stand a chance. And they would take that ark and march down to Jordan. And when the feet of those that carried the ark would touch the water, the water would roll back and they would cross. That was a very serious piece of furniture. But there was a couple of guys named Hophni and Phinehas. They were Eli's sons. And they went out to fight the Philistines and the Philistines whipped them. And so they came back and went to their dad, Eli, and said, we need an insurance policy. We need to get that Ark of the Covenant and carry it out there with us because we've never lost a battle when the presence of God goes with us. But said, let's get that Ark of the Covenant and carry it out there and we'll whip these Philistines and teach them a lesson. Well, listen, folks, it's not you using him, it's him using you. It's not you giving orders to him, it's him giving orders to you. So they took the Ark of the Covenant out there and fought the Philistines, and the Philistines whipped them, beat them up, chased them off, and took their Ark. 
Yeah, you've taught it in Sunday school. You know about the ark over and they put it in their temple beside their God. So the next day when they came out there to see how things were going, their God's head had fallen off. I said their God's head fell off. And they said, we got to get rid of this God of the Israelites. Their God beat up our God. Our God lost the fight. Our God got embarrassed. His head fell off. We got to get rid of him. Let's send him back. God said, well, you don't just handle my presence in an erratic, disrespectful way. You bring it back like you're supposed to. Boy, that's good preaching. God somehow just wants you to do it like you're supposed to. And they finally got it back to Obed-Edom. And, and so God told David, he said, David, it's about time. Now David was real mad at God. Verse or two up from this one I'm going to read said, And David was displeased with the Lord because Uzzah got killed. You remember that? Well, two verses later it says, and David was afraid of God. <laughs> what had he done? He'd messed up. Messed up. Displeased with God. But then the next verse said, and he was afraid of God. But God said, you go get my presence and bring my presence back. We'll read it and then we'll go, I promise. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gilite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. What happened? He just lucked out. And they brought the presence of God over to his house. And everything started going good, and he prospered and got blessed. That ought to ring a little thing to you. How about the presence coming by where you live? How about the presence doing something over at your house? Why is it not your address, your phone number, your social security number? He'll bless you too. It was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And all that pertains to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought it up to the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces. Yeah, you know, you had to walk six paces, set it down and say, praise the Lord. Pick it up, walk six more spaces, set it down and say, praise the Lord. You couldn't just walk sporadically along. You had to walk the way the Lord told you to walk. Message there. I'm going to leave it for another time. So David and all the house of Israel brought the ark with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now, I want you to get the picture here now. Saul had a daughter, and her name is Michael. And we suppose that she was the wife 
of David. And that David came into the city, and the Bible said, she said, when he started worshiping because the presence of the Lord was back, she despised him. Now, I want to tell you something. The devil does not like your praise. He'll make snide remarks about your praise. He'll even try to talk you out of your praise. He'll tell you things that aren't even true about your praise. How you know that, Pastor? Well, just listen. She despised them in her heart. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings unto the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering, burnt offerings and peace, he blessed the people. And he dealt among the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well as the women and men and everyone, a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of all them handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. Liar, liar, pants on fire. It plainly says that David, look at verse 14, it says that David was girded with a linen ephod. He didn't take off his clothes. There was nothing lewd or vulgar about what he did. Give him a little credit. He knows better than that. Sometimes the devil will tell lies about your worship. It's true anyway. I'm preaching a whole lot better than y'all are shouting. <clears throat> David returned to bless his house. And Michael, give this insidious. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord. My dancing was before the Lord. It wasn't for you. I wasn't dancing for you. My praise wasn't for you. I did not do what I did to make you think I was something great or something good. I didn't even do what I did because kings are supposed to do it. I did it what I did it because I love the Lord. And because the Lord has done so much for me that I just couldn't stand it. When that ark started coming back and that presence started coming in town, I got so happy I just thought I'd dance a little bit before the Lord. I want to tell you, Pentecostals are shrinking in number. I don't know if you know that or not. It's becoming unpopular now to do Pentecostal things in worship. They make snide remarks about us, like flopping around like a fish. Jerking around and carrying on. 
they make those kind of snide But one thing they need to know, I'm not dancing for them. And I'm not preaching for them. And I'm not worshiping for them. And I'm not living my life for them. And I'm not pastoring this church for them. Woo! Come on, somebody. I'm doing what I'm doing because it's for the Lord. It's because I want my praise to go up to the Lord. I want my life to be a praise to the Lord. I want the, uh, the presence of God to be blessed in my life, in my church, in my family, my friends. Wherever I go, I want people to be blessed. And I'm not dancing for you. I'm not shouting for you. I'm not praising for you. I'm praising for the Lord. And I'm worshiping for the Lord. I'm giving glory and credit to God. Whoa, somebody, why don't you praise the Lord? About 30 seconds of the best praise you got. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My praise is for the Lord. I do that as unto the Lord. And you know what? Let me tell you this. That spirit of Michael, it's crept its way into the church of God. And there are people that think I'm too loud. He makes me nervous, all that yelling and well, I'm not doing it for you. Can I tell you this morning that God is not nervous? God doesn't suffer from anxiety. God doesn't have emotionally damaged nerves. Praise the Lord. The Bible said He loves it as loud as you can give it. Glory to God. John said, I heard up there in heaven. And he said, they were saying, hallelujah, glory and honor and power and dominion be unto the Lord our God. And he said, it echoed all over heaven from one side of heaven to the other. It sounded like thunder. It was so loud. So I'm going to keep on shouting. I'm going to keep on lifting my voice and let the world know that Jesus saves and his presence is with us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. One more time. Let's do 30 seconds and then we'll go up promise.
Oh, I love him. I love to tell the story. Thank you, God, for letting us be in your house this morning. Thank you for the power of God that we feel here today. And thank you for the presence of God. Your power and your presence are on the side of the righteous. And we love you today, O oh Lord. Don't let us lose this, God. Lord, please don't leave us. God, please don't let the time ever come that we would put Ichabod on the front of this building. That the Spirit of the Lord has departed. Oh, Spirit of God, don't leave us. Holy Ghost of God, don't leave us. We need Your presence with us. We need You to guide us. We need You to comfort us. We need You, oh Lord. We need You. God, as we dismiss from this place, I ask You to go with every, everyone in this house. Every family, God. I pray, oh Lord, that a revival would break out in this church. I pray that your spirit, oh God, would move in this church. Thank you for the new people that have come to harvest. And I thank you for the people, oh Lord, that you're going to send to harvest. And I ask you to touch, oh God, every one of them. Give us a great day today with our family and our friends. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you and God go with you is our prayer.